Welcome into the CHGO White Sox post game show presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook. Download the app today and use prim- promo code CHGO when you sign up. Welcome into Studio B. The B stands for blown. Uh, <laughs> I am your host, Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. That is Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him on Twitter at Akronwall23. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader. We'll be joined by our CHGO White Sox beat writer, Vinny Duber, later on from Guaranteed Rate Field. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. We're coming to you live from our West Loop Studios in downtown Chicago after a White Sox. Pause doesn't have to be this long because it's only the first one in a couple games. Loss. 12 innings. And they, they lost 7-3. <laughs> and it should have been 7-2, but thankfully Eloy Jimenez had a rocket shot to make it a little to make the run differential look a little bit nicer, Herb. Uh, so what do we take away immediately after taking two of three from the Twins, tying the season series, and coming off the end of a three-game winning streak? Your thoughts. Generally, the whole series, that's a win. Of course, they won the series, and that's the first time the White Sox did that. That, before the series started, I said that's what the White Sox needed to do. Take two or three. Yes, the sweep would have been awesome, and I was rooting for the sweep. I wanted the sweep. It was disappointed that they lost today in such a disgusting fashion. But you did what you needed to do versus the Minnesota Twins, taking a game away from them, so now you're eight games back. Now you go into Cincinnati, not with the momentum that you needed, but you are a little bit better. You're playing a little bit slightly better than you were the week before versus a much better team in the Tampa Bay Rays. But this weekend's opponent, the Cincinnati Reds, won't be as good. So what I take away from the three-game set, better, but still White Sox. They're still doing those White Sox things. Like, there's a runner on third with zero people out. All you need to do, all you need to do, it's at the ball in the air, deep. And Billy Hamilton scoring that winning run. Game's over. But, yeah, there was a lot of things today that threw me right back into these White Sox are bad at baseball. Well, and there was a one positive today. Well, two positives today. The guy you already mentioned, Aloy Jimenez, and our guy, Luke Ace Giolito. Luke Ace Giolito was fantastic. We'll talk about him later. Absolutely. We do have a ton of people hanging out with us, so make sure you're hitting that thumbs up button. We really do appreciate it. Um our guy Blank Name was talking about Jake Berger uh, being taken out of the game. Uh, Jake Berger was taken out of the game yesterday. He went on the IL today. Um, so, Lenin Sosa is back on the ball club. Mm. And really, you called him the best hitter on the team. He was. Really good hitter. I don't he know was. if he was the best hitter, but top two. He ain't one, but he's two. Um, it's, the, the lineup gets really thin once he's out. And this was a... Planned off day for Tim Anderson. Correct. He ends up coming in later as a pinch hitter. But Benintendi, Vaughn, Jimenez, Sheets, Robert Jr., Alberto, Andrus, Sosa, Zavala. You said during the game, uh, before the pinch hitters came in, like Yasmani, Anderson, etc., Billy Hamilton. Pinch hitter is a funny, pinch runner. And then he turned into Billy the hitter, and oh boy, I wish he didn't. Um, but you said after Robert got real easy to get outs. Really easy. I mean, before that, too, the guy, I mean, Aloy was the only real offensive star for the White Sox today. But look at those people you just named. Like, those are automatic outs. Sosa's automatic outs. Elvis is pretty much automatic out. Uh, fucking Al, uh, Alberto. Why is he hitting sixth? Is he the best of those bums? 
maybe <laughs> and Sebi Zavala. Like those are just out, 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 out. And so you can have a pitcher like Pablo Lopez, or yeah, Lopez just go out there, battle the first five, and then the relax on the last four. It was a disgusting lineup, and that's you know partly because of the roster construction, and partly because of rest for Tim Anderson, rest for Yoan Moncada is out of the lineup. Yasmani Grandal had needed rest today, even though he did come in the game later on. But yeah, this uh, this was not a good offensive game plan. They attacked him early in the game with a two-run home run by Aloy Jimenez, and that was it again. The same thing that happened in Minnesota where they attacked him for three runs in the first and then he got like 23 straight out. That's not a good way. It's not a good plan for the White Sox. They don't attack people like Pablo Lopez as they should. After those two, after the start versus the White Sox, two disastrous starts for Pablo Lopez after he's getting big time money uh, extension from the Minnesota Twins. But today, well, he was back to being Pablo Lopez. They did say it was cold. So, you know, pitchers have to be... Cold where? Uh, where he was pitching. Oh, in Minnesota? Come yeah, on now. so, that's, I mean... That's uh, better for him. Cold like Minnesota. You know that song? <laughs> no. You know Lil Yachty? No. All right. Um, Look at me. I'm 44. You should, Do I know Little one. Yachty? That one's great. That sounds terrible. Uh, no, dude. Is this a, this a hip-hop star? Uh, he he is... Yeah, well, I think now he's like... He's, he's like not... He's not doing... He's not doing hip-hop anymore. I think he wants to be called uh, like... like a, he's an artist, you know? Um, I couldn't roll my eyes harder. Um, you know, the, the song. Not is, at you, at little Yachty and his dumbass transition to even more terrible music. Here, but I mean, here, here's a line. <laughs> this is uh, from Minnesota. It's a, it's an artful piece. Uh, almost had a lifetime sentence, but I beat it. Shout out to Pat. Pat, that's my lawyer. He got me off them charges. Eight stacks for that boy. He took care. Of the boy, cold like Minnesota. He didn't cold rhyme like in Minnesota. that whole goddamn bar yeah, right there. No, but you got to listen to it; it's funny. Um, Ugh. So, uh, kids, kids, raise your game up for these hip hop artists. Come on, man. Yeah, and J Cole, Kendrick Lamar. Those are real hip hop artists. Little Wayne, real hip hop artists. Little Wayne. You guys okay, are going now. You're, now you're going way too. You want to bring up Little Yachty? Too? Yeah, the actual hip hop artists. Yeah, not this saying, oh, Trizash that's going on right now. Mercy. I think J. Cole and Kendrick, I think, are still in the. I mean, it's still they're still thing. in the game. It's still the best yeah. in the game. All right. Uh, let's get. To, do we actually have to talk about the White Sox? Um, I don't know. I mean, again, like Hanser Alberto. Sox. This is. I want to give a shout out to uh, Nick, and we have to have Nick on the show. Uh, Nick Murawski? Uh No, uh, Nick, and I. I don't actually know. Schaefer. Yeah, is it Schaefer? I think it's Schaefer. Okay, from uh, Baseball yeah. Perspective. Correct. Okay, uh, shout out to Nick Schaefer. Uh, I just know he's Nick. Uh, but here's Hanser Alberto's career platoon splits. Against right-handers, okay. an on-base percentage of 257, Mm-mm. a slugging of 331, Mm-mm. and an OPS of 588. Bad. Versus left-handers, okay. an on-base percentage of 341. That plays. Slugging of 448. All right. And OPS of 790. Working it. I said in the offseason, I would understand because he's Pedro's guy and Leury isn't, and he does have really good splits against left-handers. So if they're trying to exploit that, great. Who's also really good against left-handers? No. Jake Berger. Hanser Alberto's purpose on this team is moot. And Jerk Berger is now on the Jerk Berger is now on the uh, 10-day IL. So again, it makes sense, I guess, why Hanser Alberto is on the team currently. However, Nick points this out. This year, Hanser Alberto, again, lifetime OPS against right-handers of 588 versus left-hander 790. This year, 
Hanser Alberto has 22 plate appearances against right-handers. Right-handers. Pablo Lopez is a right-hander. Right-hander. He batted right-handed. It was sixth. He batted sixth. Oh, tonight. oh yeah. Um, Terribly. Yes. Against left-handed pitchers, how many plate appearances does Hanser Alberto have in 2023? 22 against right-handers. I would say 10. Ooh, that's uh, that's way too high. Five. Ooh, that's too high. Jesus, two, four. Oof. So malpractice is what Nick called it, and. I, you know, I this Pedro guy. And I know we disagree. This is the first time where I'm like, Pedro might have lost the game for the White Sox. I know that most people who are watching and who are viewing this and listening on the podcast the day after would love a bunt in the extra innings because that moves the winning run to third base, especially when you did the road team didn't score any runs. I get that, and I get what you're talking about. But I am so opposed to the sacrifice bunting because it gives up an out that you dearly need because the White Sox cannot do work when it's three when it's three outs and the guy's at third. Now we're giving away an out, and now it's two out two outs you have remaining. So we're giving ourselves less chances to win the game where we already struggle when it's zero outs and a guy in third. So now we're going to sacrifice that guy over, and that guy uses Usually in the extra innings was Billy Hamilton, who can just steal the base, or it was Alessandros, who is the career leader or the active leader in stolen bases. I just don't like those. I hate sacrifice bunting a guy to third base anytime. I hate sacrifice bunts all the time. It just made zero sense. Hit away, have three guys swing away, and if they, if they don't get the job done, like Tim didn't get the job done in that in that clutch situation. But as you said, he came off the bench. It was tough for him to get a hit. And that pitcher was filthy too. Mm-hmm. Um, and Hanzo Roberto, ugh, that at bat. The ball is hitting you, brother. Right. Stop swinging. Stop. That's, that's game over right there. Yeah. Stop swinging. Let him hit you. I'll accept what he's giving to you. And I just hate sacrifice punting. That's so old school. That's so national league when they had pitchers and such. No. Swing away. Try to win the game with three solid at-bats. If you don't, tip the cap to the other people. Good job, pitcher. You did the job. But giving away an out just to move him one, one space, I don't like it. So I, I hear you. I, I absolutely do. As somebody who would hate to be in the position to have to defend bunting, um, I, I, I feel sick. However, I did say when they walked off, yep. uh, what was that, two days three, two days ago with Ben Attendee hitting the single into left field, Um I said that the only thing dumber than bunting is the ghost runner rule. Um, and then someone said the math on bunting when you're in a walk-up situation actually radically changes when probability goes up because the beginning no longer matters. But that's the only situation. You're not trying to score as many runs as possible. You are trying to have the goal of score one run. I am all for bunting in that situation. And I'm not putting page, – Pedro made a ton of mistakes today, and I'm, I'll go in, into them later. But, like, I, that's on Lenin. You, the, your goal is to – Get a bunt in play. But you have two opportunities. That is not a major league baseball player if you cannot get a bunt down. I I, I understand you disagree with the strategy, but still, if that is what it's called for, you need to be able to lay a fucking pitcher can do it. I agree with that. I I 100% agree with that. Even if the manager calls something dumb, the player needs to execute what that manager called. But I I don't know what the numbers. I haven't read the Tom Tango thing yet uh, for a long time. Is it better, more advantageous? For you would have a runner on second with no outs 
or to have a runner on third with one out but again, to score that run. But but again, that's in a that's that's taking out the situation. Anytime. No, anytime. Well, then I'll look up the run index. I, yeah. I hate bringing up the run index, but real quick, let me just. I, I just think that the ghost runner rule too. Like I think the situation's dumb. The pitch clock again fixed the the rule for the ghost runner, and I feel like you really are giving the home team an advantage because the Twins didn't score a run in the top of the tenth. You just need one run. That's it. So you need to be able to when you have the seventy-two million dollar catcher come up with a runner on third if Lenin Sosa is able to properly sacrifice bunt with a speedy enough runner. I mean, Elvis Andres is one of the, the quicker or better base runners on the team. Correct. Um, you have the $72 million catcher coming up and Andrew Benatendi coming up the $75 million man. They should be able to drive in a runner from third with one out. Like, period. Like, that's the goal. That is what you need to do. That's I, correct. I, like, I, I really can't say you shouldn't be bunting because I would rather have... Lenin Sosa not swinging away, or you know, I'd rather have Yasmani Grandal, I guess, swinging away with a runner on third uh, than possibly having to have him on, on second, uh, especially because he's, you know, you're directing then hit a fly ball. Like Yasmani Grandal should be able to hit a fly ball. Um, where was I going? You're looking at the run. Oh, run index. Thank you. Yes. Um, but yeah, and it, it really just see. See Carnick defending one. bunting is making my head. See <laughs> Carnick one brings up a good point. Sox were one for sixteen runners scoring position today, so it's no excuse. They didn't execute. A hundred percent. That's what the main thing with the White Sox was from last year, and it's creeping into this year. You can't have a guy of Billy Hamilton's caliber with the infield drawn in and not try to hit the ball in the air. And I understand the other pitcher knows what you're trying to do, but you have to beat him. If he's trying to get you on the ground, he's going to be throwing sinkers. He's going to be throwing sliders. He's going to be throwing stuff that's going to make you ground the ball right into the ground. So you need to find a way to lift that ball up. Find a way. Whatever you need to do, Timmy. Whatever you need to do. And then they walked. Uh, Who they walk? Uh, Luis Robert. Because they didn't want to face him. They're like, let's go against Hans Roberto. Andrew Benatendi uh, got intentionally walked twice. Hey man, because of, because of Hans Roberto, man, the man, or, uh, hey, Billy Hamilton. Nope, sorry. they were just scared of uh, Andrew Benintendi. That yeah. was it. there was no other reason why they they uh, intentionally walk Andrew Benintendi. Vin- reason Andrew Benintendi is that damn good. They're like that's seventy five million dollar man. You might take a dark yard right here. Let's walk him. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, you know who but, I wish they the White Sox would have walked? Byron Motherfucking Buxton. Oh, stop, stop, stop. We'll get to it. We'll get walk to it. him. Uh, we got it. We got to lambast Pedro. Uh, but the eighth inning, Hamilton stranded at third with no outs, and this is from Vinny. Ninth inning, Hamilton ends the inning after an intentional walk to Benatendi. Tenth inning, Hamilton stranded at third with no outs. Eleventh, Hamilton ends the inning after an intentional walk to Benatendi, and he said, "We're we're caught in a time loop at the rate." In the eleventh inning, though, or the twelfth inning, Aloy Jimenez broke it uh, and and drove in Billy Hamilton, and the White Sox lost by four runs. Aloy, Ham- um, Aloy Hamilton, Aloy Hamilton, Aloy, Aloy Hamilton, Aloy Jimenez <laughs> got all the runs driven in today. How about that? Oh, hey, best hitter on the team is probably him. Uh, I, I, Andrew Vaughn had it for a day, uh, but that boy looks right. Um, so, run expectancy matrix. I was calling it the run index by mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, the run expectancy matrix, uh, and you're looking for runner at second, no outs, and runner at third, one out. Yes. Okay. Runner at I, second, yeah. no outs, mm-hmm. 1.068. Zero six eight runner at third, one out, point eight six five. So you have more. Yes, you have more runs you can score. But I get the point, people, and I don't don't get me wrong. I understand you only need one run there, and I get that being at third with one out seems like a better thing for anybody in a professional league. But we're the White Sox. We got to remember the White Sox. 
you got to give yourself the most chances to not fuck up. And the White Sox, you know, they can't but, help themselves. And the Minnesota Twins, you got to, you know, Rocco Baldelli and that staff, they saw threats. And they're like, we're not going to go against Aloy Jimenez. Why would we do that? We're not going to go against yeah. Luis Robert. And like you said, they intentionally walked Andrew Benintendi twice because they're like, Billy Hamilton cannot hit. I don't care what Tim calls him. He's Billy the out, the automatic out. Tried to bunt way too late in the uh, at bat. He should have bunt on the first hit, uh, on the first pitch, and he did not do that, and he popped it up to the catcher and then struck out so feebly to end, what was it, the 10th inning? It was just so garbage. So, yeah, Minnesota Twins did a great job of executing the plan, of playing in the extra innings the way I would want the White Sox to play, even though they didn't score in the first couple uh, extra innings. And then they executed when they had their champion-ass players up. Who's Herb Holmes? Is that an actual person? He's combining Lawrence and Herb. Okay. I like that, though. Us together. Herb Holmes. Yeah. I mean, back in the day with the scores. I like Lawrence Lawrence. They used to put it on the schedule, just... My name is Herb. That's the first name. They put everybody else as their last name, but people <laughs> would get confused by our two names. But I spell my name correctly. Lawrence spells his incorrectly with a U. Yeah. I spell but, it with a W. And I like that, though. If it was Lawrence actually spelled right and Lawrence actually spelled right, like, that's those are two separate names. Yeah, and also, I was a producer. Lawrence was a host. They were like, oh, we're just going to confuse you guys. How? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm not hosting. And Sons of bitches. <laughs> um, we got a. Uh, I'm. I'm not mad at. Him. Okay, I'll, I'll look that up for Kirk uh, for the for the uh, therapy uh, and for Byron Buxton. I know you have the stat that uh, he said his most home runs or the the career the team he has the most career home runs against is the White Sox. Seventeen. I think the next team is twelve. Cleveland Guardians, I believe, if I looked at it correctly. But it's the most he's hit against any team. I don't know if. When you're a child, I remember my mom used to say, don't touch that stove. It's hot. I wanted to go and check it out. I, did I that touched once. it. Yeah. It was hot. And I was like, you know what? Mom was right. I'm not going to touch that stove anymore when I know it's hot. The White Sox keep on touching that fucking stove. Keep on touching. They even touched it in the extra innings with uh, Aaron Bummer. I was like, what are you doing? Bases are-? Aaron Bummer got him out, and he looked actually outstanding for the second outing in a row. But stop. Testing fate with Byron Buxton. Stop going against him. Stop trying to get him out. If he's a base open, I would rather you go four, get your ass to first base, than challenging him and maybe getting a strikeout like Aaron Bummer did. That worked out well. But I think more times than not, he's going to catch up with you. Ask Liam Hendricks last year. Yeah. Well, ask ask um, ask, uh, ask Raylo this year. Right. And there's no, yeah, and the greatest hitter in the world is not behind him anymore. He's in Miami now. <laughs> Luis Arise. Um, yeah, I mean, who's behind, who, who are they, if they walked on what, they, they wouldn't even it's be Correa. It's like Larnick or some trash like yeah, that. Polanco. Yeah, Polanco's um, That's decent. a little better. Yeah, Polanco's Yes, there was Larnick. Um, I was like, please, Jesus. To answer Kirk, uh, I got to know what's the last time Buxton did not hit a homer in a series. He played all three and four games against us. Thanks for the therapy. Um, that one's actually fairly easy to find. Uh, there was a st- Three-game stretch uh, in July, the 15th, the 16th, and the 17th. I think that might have been a four-game series, but still, played three out of the four games, and he did not get a hit. I think he ended up getting injured, uh, actually, on the 17th. So I, I can look that back up. But in the games he didn't hit a homer, uh, he was two for four, uh, two for three, So and, one, and with a walk. So two for three with a walk, too. So he's just always killed him. Like, 
I, I don't get it. I get Lucas Giolito's strategy of pitching him around him. You're still wasting pitches. Yes. Um, so I, I don't love it. But really, it, it is reminiscent of Tony LaRusso. Like, do not learn. Like, what, what are you expecting pitching to Byron Buxton? It's levels of Javi Baez. Like, wh- what are you doing? I, I don't understand it at all. And I like that they had a strategy of pitching him high fastballs up in the zone. Mm-hmm. But then when you do that and Raylo hangs a slider mm-hmm. in the middle of the plate, he's going to crush that to, you know, the moon. It's a full moon, too. Yeah. Uh, and, JJ, I hear you. The game is not on TA. He did blow it with the air. No. But it was a ch- I think it checked up, like, on a rock or something with the opposite way. But it was his air. And, yes, he didn't come through. But he entered the game late. It's not on him. It's on the whole team for not executing. I'm not going to give it to the one person who goes and makes it more often than not. And I don't think he was a big-time liability for the White Sox today. Yes, the air was sucked. But... You got to get hits before that so that doesn't happen. Right. I mean, the, the White Sox scored two runs in the third, and then that was it until the 12th. I mean, it's very reminiscent of the 10-game losing streak where you're not able to put up runs and have good at-bats. Like, this is on Pedro Grafol. This is on the guy that's not prepared in walking or not walking walking Byron Buxton and not pitching around him. Um, I, I really just find it funny that he talked about improving and preparation. Here's some things that you could expect from the 2023 White Sox, he said after getting the job, and this is from Vinny uh, at LCHGL. We will communicate. We will be fundamentally sound. No. We will play with passion and pride for this uniform. Really. We will respect the game, our fans, and earn their trust. Mm. Haven't yet. Uh, we will be prepared to control the strike zone. No. On both sides of the ball. They walk a shit ton, and they swing at a shit ton out of the zone. We will work hard and play winning baseball every night. Uh, we will definitely hold each other accountable Mm, maybe um uh we've got to improve defensively obviously and i feel that fundamentally we've got to improve i haven't yet Uh, i go back to the intensity level and the energy that we got to bring to our preparation this is a very good club it's a club that's prepared to win to do great things Mm -hmm. personally i'm going to be a stickler for the preparation the energy it's going to get us where we want to go these guys are going to come to play every single night you just saw pablo lopez you just saw him, and he walked through your ass. As you taught me yesterday, he shoved it up their giggy. Seven innings pitched, six hits, one walk. That's a base runner per inning. Two earned runs, and that's when Aloy Jimenez made him pay. Eight strikeouts. He struck your ass out 10 times last time. That is 10, 18 strikeouts in 14 innings. Yep. That's shoving it up their giggy. It is. And no adjustments, no understanding where he's trying to do to your players. And I get it, Luis. Yes, he's the straw that stirs a drink, but he didn't start the game. I'm sure the White Sox would have scored more runs and got more hits if Tim is leading off that game instead of Andrew Benintendi. Um, you get a better offensive attack there because then you take Hanser Alberto off the team or off the starting lineup there. So, yes. Tim didn't come through right there, but to blame him for the loss where he didn't enter the game until what the eighth or ninth inning? Come on now, it's it's it seems a little short sighted. I get it, but it's not what Tim. It's on the offense as a whole, but not Tim by himself. The dude just got back from the IL. I, I understand that he made an error in the field, but again, he was. Having the understanding that today was going to be an off day. Uh, Pedro Grafal said today, TA got an off day after a quick return from knee injury. Heavy workload last two days. Nothing's bothering him. We're just going to make sure that we have him for the rest of the season. We're going to give him a little bit of recovery. He'll get back after it tomorrow. That's what he was told. Tomorrow. And here he is today. Yeah. He, I mean, I, I get it. You're, you're supposed to be prepared. Lead, 
The team should fucking work and score before you have to bail them out. What, Tim Anderson is supposed to be your get-out-of-jail-free card? Oh, we can't hit the ball, so let's just have the All-Star come off the bench cold and, you know, be the All-Star. doesn't work that way. He's coming off the IL. Mm -hmm. That's bullshit. That's a bullshit expectation. You should see the other nine guys on the field and say, why aren't they doing better? Like, you should look at the GM who said, put it on me and put this bad roster together. This team shouldn't be 10 and 22. We'll talk about the weird bullpen. You know Alexander Colomay's back? Like, we'll talk about this weird-ass bullpen. We'll talk about this awful lineup. I mean, Herb said we started off with everyone behind Luis Robert today was an automatic out. Sebi's the, probably the, gives you the best at-bats. He's batting ninth. What the fuck is this manager doing? They talked about preparation, talked about game planning. They can't hit somebody in their own division that they saw not even a month ago. Tim Anderson shouldn't be in the game. Yeah. Um, Stop blaming him. It's stupid. And and also... You didn't even play for the majority of the fucking game. As veterans, you usually get the full day off. That's what uh, Tony and other uh, managers for the White Sox have done. I actually find it refreshing that... Pedro said, the game's on the line. Let me put my best hitters in. Yeah, and he's not going to back away. Yeah, exactly. So I, got three, two. I will applaud Pedro for pulling the trigger on Tim. Hey, I know I told you a day off, but we need you here. Can you get us a knock? He, can't, he didn't come through. That's on Tim. Same thing with Yasmani Grandal. I find it refreshing that he did that. But to blame the loss all on him, it's tough. I get it, guys. You guys are very angry at the air, but... I think he's put enough in the positive basket to give him some slack when he makes an error like this. Is that fair? Is this his first error all season? I I, 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 don't, I don't remember early <laughs> yeah, before the losing I've, streak. I've watched it over my head. Um, I, I feel like there was at least standard fielding. No, that was his first error this year. Yeah, Karnick, so. I, I get it. You cannot blame or get mad at the AAA guys to, here just doing their best. A team put in the bad position by the owner GM. Um, no, it was by the GM. I, I get tired of people just blaming Jerry. I know he's the guy, but Rick has more than enough money to put a better product here, to put a better minor league system here, yes. to not have Sammy Peralta make his major league debut at all, firstly, because he's not a good pitcher. He doesn't have great stuff. And secondly, in that situation in the 12th, that's ridiculous for that kid to have to wear it there. So this is on the GM and the VP of Baseball Ops. The owner is not a thing to me when it comes to the actual baseball team. If the owner says you got this amount of money to deal with, the GM and the VP of Ops have to find out how the best way to have that team ready. The Tampa Bay Rays only have $75 million. They find a way somehow. Somehow, some way, they find a way to, to compete and be the best team in baseball right now. I hear you. I absolutely hear you fully. The only thing I will say is that Rick Hahn, I think I was four years old when he started with the White Sox. Yeah. That's on Jerry Reinsdorf. Jerry Reinsdorf trusts his people too much. We talked about this all this through the offseason. So all of it goes back to Jerry. So I'm fine with blaming Rick. I'm fine with blaming Kenny. I'm fine with blaming Jerry. Because well, they I, all suck. I, you know, they all do <laughs> suck, but like the parameters are set. You know that Jerry's a dick. Yeah. And but he's you're spending $180 million. You're a bad GM. Yeah, like if you if you're not able if you're ten you're twelve games under five hundred you're spending one hundred eighty million dollars after spending two hundred million dollars last year that's bullshit. Yeah, Jerry is Jerry, and Rick knew this before he took the GM job. 
So he knew that there was some parameters that he had to fit into that he won't be going up the top rung for players. Never going up to the top rung for players unless it's Albert Bell in 1996. But he has to work within those parameters and say, okay, how do I get this team to be competitive? Let's find a way to have our our minor league system better than it has ever has been. Not by trades, by actually drafting people well, developing those people you draft well. Like, who's the guy, who's the, name two guys the White Sox have drafted and developed well as an offensive player. Tim Anderson. But we've talked about that a lot of his development as a player was Because of him. Yeah. Andrew Vaughn is developing, but he hasn't turned mm. into the player that he should be as yet. Eh. I mean, again, like the issue is both those guys are first rounders and they are expecting those guys to be polished players. Yes. Andrew Vaughn was rushed to the majors. Mm-hmm. Let's not forget that as well. Andrew Vaughn has less than 200 plate appearances. Andrew Vaughn never started a game in the outfield in the minors. His first start in the outfield in the minors came in 2022 after he played 100 plus games in the fucking outfield. You know how many games he played in the outfield in college where he had a 500 on base percentage? Zero. Okay, it's a stupid organization. They're just hoping all these guys are finished products. They knew Andrew Benatendi was a first rounder in 2016. That's why he's on this team. They didn't do any scouting report. Pedro Grafal loved him. All right, but you, you know, we 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 ball team go far, ball go far. Let's hit a guy that, that's going to hit it into the dead zone uh, of the the park. Uh, all the wind blows out to right field, so let's get a guy who hits it directly into the fucking wind. What a <laughs> what a stupid team. What a moronic baseball team. I mean. Joey Gallo, I mean, we could see that he's sneaking balls. I mean, they're not fair, but he's sneaking two balls nearly uh, past the past the, the, the foul ball into the 108 and, and, and for two homers this series. I mean, it, it make it make sense. Joe R. with the, the line of the week. Hope is not a plan. Hope is not a plan. That, speak it, Joe. And, and, and that's the thing. As Jerry Reinsdorf said, we don't explain. You know, my biggest challenge when I started off as an owner in Chicago was we explained I wanted to be open. We, you know, we talked to the media. That was my biggest mistake. Now we just go and we hope it works out. Yeah. God willing, we hope it works out. This team is run on hope and bullshit. Uh, let's go to and tape. our... Huh? And tape. To, tape. to put people back together <laughs> on a tape. I mean, Aloy Jimenez is like limping to first base, like Kirk Gibson. Uh, I mean, Luis Robert is like almost like having the brakes go out on him around third base. I mean, yikes. Tim Anderson needs to be dragged off the bench on an off day and going tossed in like Crash Davis to try to get a hit. Mercy. Um, we watched this lovely game. Oh, it was a lovely game. And this is America's pastime uh, on Fubo TV. Uh, it's not FUBU, folks. It's FUBO. Uh, FUBO TV, 140-plus live channels of sports, shows, movies, and news. You can stream live TV from any device and watch the most Chicago sports for the lowest price. You can also start watching immediately, immediately, with a seven-day free trial. There's no contract, no cable, no hassle. Just sign up and start watching. They have over 1,000 hours of cloud DVR included at no extra charge, and you can watch local teams while traveling. There's events coming up, like the NHL draft on ESPN. Where will the Blackhawks pick? You can uh. probably... Please. Watch the lottery, too. First would be great. Oh, first would be fantastic. I got a that, game changer there. Oh, my God. Connor Bedard. I, I just also like the name Fantilli. He's a good, too. Fantilli. Number two, right? Fantilli. Yeah, I believe so. Um, but uh, I, I, ooh, I love a Connor Bedard. I think he also wears 97. So that's just like, nah. It's old school Ronick in uh, Arizona. Well, I was thinking my, uh, my, was he 97 here, too? No, he was 27 here. Oh. Is 97 taken? Is that Dougie Gilmore? Here? I don't know. I don't even uh, know. You guys don't know? Okay. I'm not a Blackhawks um, guy. You can also watch the White Sox on NBC Sports Chicago. Sean, with, I mean, um, my guy is Steven. 
Remember, he did all the post games. He, yeah. he loves the Blackhawks. He's Blackhawks like, super fan. I know it all. I don't know. Look anything. up Doug Gilmore's number for me, okay? I all know right. you don't know it. Uh, Watch the White Sox on NBC Sports Chicago with Fubo TV. Use the link in the description to sign up for 15% off your first month of Fubo Pro. And again, remember, you can start watching immediately with a seven-day free trial. Those 1,000 hours of Cloud DVR are uh, king as like well. Nine. So, nine. That one or 93? Oh, 93. Okay, it wasn't 97. The Captain C on Doug Gilmore. Yeah. Shoots goal, garbage goal. He played in Toronto, eh? Calgary. <laughs> Herb, what you drinking? I am drinking a delicious three one two from our folks at Goose Island. I, I, the fact that they sent us tall boys. I mean, those, those lovely, lovely people are, are just just beautiful. This is the last one in the uh, refrigerator right now, but there's like eight million in the closet. Don't say that, man. Keep it on the low. Oh yeah, I forgot. I, I, People I, gonna be raiding our our mercy. closet here. Uh, CHO is supported by that lovely beer company, Goose Island. They've been Chicago's beer since 1988, and their beer roster includes. Uh, Herb's uh, 312 Wheat Ale. They also have the Goose IPA. It's a six-time medal winner at the Great American Beer Festival. It's always in style. It has a citrus aroma, a great fruity taste. They also have the Tropical Beer Hug, which is Stephen's favorite. Those are dry-hopped Imperial IPAs. There's a 9.9% alcohol that's dangerously easy to drink. A couple mm-hmm. six percenters, a couple seven percenters. It's kind of like a ladder. You can kind of uh, drink your way up. The pocket pills, percentage. too. Delicious. And there it is. It's an everyday beer, and it's what the brewers are drinking. It's what a lot of people were drinking. Matt Peck, Jay Matt Peck. Again. Loves that. Uh, it's a little lager for the folks, all right? Uh, and we love a little Midwestern lager, don't we? Uh, and also, you can grab an ultra-fresh brewery-exclusive beer at Goose Island's original brew house on Clybourne Avenue in Lincoln Park or from their taproom on Fulton Street in Westtown. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's beer. Um, yeah, Turd Ferguson, I am also confused on how they didn't try Billy Hamilton. See, this is what I, I thought was going to happen yesterday. I was going to finish the ad read, and Vinny Duber was literally going to appear like magic, and he he is appearing like magic <laughs> right in front of us. You can follow him on Twitter, at Vinny Duber, and you can read his work over at allchgo.com. Uh, Vinny, the White Sox win streak is broken. We are all sad. Um, Don't be what? sad. It's a beautiful day. It is a beautiful day, and, and that's why Pablo Lopez pitched well. Uh, it was 65 and sunny. Um, he was powered by the sun. This was a very weird game. What was the weirdest thing that you thought happened today? The weirdest thing that I thought happened, I think, was that the eighth inning repeated itself in the tenth inning and the ninth inning repeated itself in the eleventh inning. So for a second there it felt we were like we were caught in a time loop down here at 35th and Shields. I thought I was watching a replay uh, of the White Sox offense because they did the exact same thing in the tenth that they did in the eighth and the exact same thing that they did in the eleventh and the ninth. Well, and then Aloy broke the time matrix in the 13th, and it, it felt, too, like before that, like we compared it to the 10-game losing streak because they scored two runs in the third and then nothing else. Like, I, I mean, it was a, a very odd game, and they were still in it until the 11th inning. I'm going to go positive because there's very little positive in this game. But, sunshine. oh, my God, Lucas Giolito is Lucas Luke Ace Giolito again. What do you have to say about his outing and uh, uh, about the results of the game? I'm sure he's not happy about that, but he pitched his ass off today. 
Yeah, I mean, he's been great basically the entire season. There's really only one uh, that came in Pittsburgh that, that, that blew up on him. Everything else is, has looked pretty good for the most part. Um, he wasn't even feeling his best today. Uh, you know, I mean, he, he wasn't feeling like he had his best stuff out there. And, and it's the oh. first thing that Pedro said when he walked into his press conference was, um, you know, he went out there and pitched today, you know, even though he didn't, you know, wasn't doing it all, all, all together there. The thing that's jumping out to me, it looks like there's a real nice, uh, some real nice chemistry, not just brewing, probably all the way brewed between him and Sebi Zavala. Um, Lucas credited Sebi for, for, you know, kind of game planning today and, and, and attacking the twins uh, when they looked like they were queuing in on his changeup. They, uh, they went to the slider. And so uh, that's what really worked for him today. Uh, he's, he's looked really good. And he's, he's, I mean, for a team that badly needs their starting pitcher to, to deliver some length, He's a guy that's been doing it uh, the last few times out um, and really doesn't show much sign of stopping. He was pretty efficient today um, as well. And uh, for him to be able to get through seven, right, basically right at 100, uh, just, a, just a really good job for him. And, I mean, it, there's a reason it was only 2-2 going into those extra innings. I mean, we've seen extra inning games where the, where the score kind of jumps up dramatically there at the end because of what happens to the bullpens. White Sox pitching before the 12th inning tonight was terrific. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Lucas was terrific, and he really didn't make a mistake. I mean, he left with the, the lead. I mean, there's nothing really you can ask more from Lucas Giolito. He allowed one run. Um, the, the, there's two th big things that we've talked about before you joining. We, we also discussed bunting, but I think Herb's wrong. We don't have to go down that road. Um, the Tim Anderson thing, uh, you know, supposed to be a day off, and yet he comes in and makes an error that really leads to the game opening up, and then also pitching to Byron Buxton. I'll, I'll let you choose your own adventure here because I feel like those were the next two questions. Uh, so Tim Anderson getting a, a day off, but then playing. Uh, were you surprised by that? Or and, and did Pedro talk about uh, why he needed Tim in that moment? And then uh, uh, Byron Buxton, did he talk about this decision to not intentionally walk him at all? It seemed like they pitched around him a bit, but never intentionally walked him. Yeah, none of those decisions were really talked about. If you're looking for my thoughts on it, um, Tim, we'll start with Tim. Tim was used on a day off because he, Pedro was trying to win the game. I mean, you saw what Pedro did in the eighth inning. He he pulled out all the stops, um, you know, and, and I think it was pretty crazy to just look at the defensive alignment in the ninth inning. I think every position on the infield and then also right field changed from the eighth inning to the ninth inning in terms of who was playing that position. And it really kind of hammered home all the moves that Pedro made in that eighth inning, which that ended up being unsuccessful. They didn't score any runs, but to, to try and get Billy Hamilton across the plate there with, uh, you know, with, he was on third base with nobody out. And, uh, you know, for the first of tw two times uh, in those late innings, he didn't score. Um, but Pedro pulled out all the stops. He brought up Tim Anderson. I mean, hey, there's a guy in third base. Tim Anderson's the guy you want up at the plate to try to drive him in. There's no doubt about that. That guy had three hits last night. Um, so so that was definitely not a, a confusing move to me at all. Obviously, it ended up, uh, you know, going sideways because Tim had three more or two more at-bats after that. The both of them were outs. Uh, you know, he was part of that strikeout barrage there. I think it was in the 10th inning. Um, and then, obviously, the error in the 12th. Uh, was ugly, but Pedro complimented his decision-making. I think the idea was that Tim was looking to go to third to try to cut down the lead runner there and preserve a lead. And so um, just the spin kind of got him on that ball. Pedro didn't seem too upset about it and was actually praising the the decision-making there that, that Tim was going through, even though the play didn't end up happening. Um, and then when it comes to Buxton, listen, Reynaldo Lopez um, still seems to be the guy. 
uh, still seems to be the guy that Pedro wants to call on when the best hitters in the lineup are up. And I mean, come on, the guy's not, the guy has been great against the White Sox. The guy is a great player, but the confidence that these guys have in themselves is that they have great players too. And, and that you're supposed to be able to go after them. What what are you going to, you're not going to win a division. If you're, if you're terrified of one of the guys on the other team, you're supposed to go after them. You want to be the best. Um, I, I don't think that that was a dumb move at all. There are moves to be made in which, um, you know, in which there are different situations, guy on third base, let's say, you know, and he's on fire or something like that. But, you know, he lifts a home run off of him. He, you, you tip your cap. Now, the, 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 the bigger discussion there is, is Reynaldo Lopez the right guy to go to in those moments, I think. I mean, it, he seems to still be that quote-unquote closer, or at least at the top of the depth chart in the bullpen right now, even after, uh, you know, sitting out a couple of days with an arm injury. Turns out he feels fine, so that's good, I guess, but the but the um, results are speaking for themselves. And yeah, the other three guys he put down he put down with no problem. He struck out Carlos Correa, uh, but you know, he's given up I think six home runs this season. I mean, it's it's May fourth, and this is your top reliever is giving up six home. My goodness, gave so, up one uh, last year. I know, I know. So uh, you know, listen. Liam Hendricks is probably going to be due back a lot sooner than everybody thought, which is which is really good for the White Sox, which is awesome for Liam Hendricks. Uh, but um, there's going to be some time until then, you know, maybe a week or two or whatever. And uh, maybe Reynaldo Lopez needs to stop being the guy that goes out there when the game's on the line because he hasn't, from a results standpoint, he hasn't really shown that he can that he can get that job done. I uh, disagree with Pedro, not because of you're going to walk him. But you got to be careful. I think they did that with Joey Gallo later in the game after they saw what Byron Buxton did. They had a base open. They went around uh, Joey Gallo and, and went against the next guy. I would much rather face Polanco than uh, Buxton, just specifically because of his success versus the White Sox. So that would be my only gripe with Pedro. Another, well, I have another gripe actually with Pedro. All the bunting. Um, did he was he asked like why is he bunting all the time? And with a team that doesn't score runs when there's a runner on third with no outs, now he wants to do that with a runner on third with one out. Um, refresh my memory if I'm wrong. I believe the only guy who bunted today was Lenin Sosa. He just happened to do it, what, three times, I think. Is that right? Um, Billy, Ham- Billy Hamilton popped it up. but Oh, Billy Hamilton popped out with the with there's two outs. Okay, uh, go ahead and tell me your confidence in those guys to get a hit right now. I mean, I mean, it's seriously, not, I'm being serious. Well, I mean, well no, again, Hamilton, in that situation, Hamilton, there were two outs. And so he's just trying to use, do anything to make something happen. Billy Hamilton's not here to hit. And and Pedro pulled out all the stops, like I said, in the eighth inning to get Billy Hamilton on base. And he almost won the game for them by zipping around the from first to third in, in the blink of an eye. And he was there with before the next at bat was even finished. Um so that proved to be, I think that proved to be the right decision there. You're playing for one run in the eighth inning. You, you know, you, you score that run, they win the game, basically. You know, you know, don't know what's going to happen in the ninth, but you untie the game and you, and you do it right there. Um, and so when it comes to Sosa, the guy's hitting, what, like a buck 50 right now. Like, I, I don't, from what I've seen over the course of, the, of him playing here with, with the White Sox this year, is there anything that in your mind that's going to be more more uh, of a contribution to what the White Sox can do offensively in those moments than him moving the runner over. Uh, I don't think so because all that he's shown is that he, the vast majority of the time, he just makes it out. And so why not make it a productive out? Uh, That's what I would say. But again, you know, 
Herb, they didn't score. So, yeah. I, you know, the, the result is the result is what the result is. And you can't necessarily um, say that either school of thought is right or wrong in that situation. But I don't think you can I, I don't blame somebody for trying to make something happen when you're forced into a situation where a guy who is not going to get you really much in the way of offensive success is, is at the plate. They had like four of those guys in their lineup today to start the game. But in the eighth inning, it's a flawed logic for Pedro to think you only need one run. In it's you need more runs. You're gonna you need the cushion of two runs like they had last night for Keenan Middleton to only go for one run. I think that's a flawed process because now you're just cutting yourself off of more runs. Like if you allow Lenin Sosa to do whatever Lenin Sosa can do and he happens to get a hit, you're in a better situation. You're much better with a runner on first and no outs than a runner on second with one out because you're giving you're, you're putting pressure on the next guy who was Yasmani Grandal to get the job done. And so I, I just don't like giving away outs, which Pedro did constantly, and I don't like that. I just want him to play baseball. And, yes, he was handed a bad hand with the four players in the, what, from six to nine. Just terrible baseball players as far as offensively goes. But you got to be a little bit. If you're trying to win instead of just trying to score one run, go all out. If you hit a double play there, I think most people be like, hey, man, at least you're trying to win. I think Bunning is giving up to me. It just it just feels like you're giving up and trying to that, score only one run. I think I, here's what Pedro would say because he's talked about this before this season and he said and he basically um discussed it as it's all about the situation and it's all about the game that day so he can say you know he's a he's a he's a data guy as he's talked about he could probably come up to you and say like oh yeah in x percent of the time that that statistically is not the situation you want to be doing but throw throw that all gets kind of not thrown out the window but it all changes when you're talking about each specific situation you know what i mean and so i i think that i think that to have a blanket statement of well i'm not going to do this because my of my philosophy on this cuts off avenues to you in which you can succeed and i think that when you bring up the situations plural that you had today with the with the White Sox in terms of Sosa bunting over a guy in in a in a tie game in in extra innings you know in, in a walk off or extra inning situation because I think those took place in the ninth and the eleventh am I wrong I don't uh, the Sosa you know, one I, I think happened in the eighth inning I believe if I'm correct I might be wrong though the I bunt? think I think I yeah. think yeah I think there were the ninth and the eleventh Herb because Andrews led was off, Andrews was on second base both times yeah. The, it was the, yeah. it was the extra innings. That's the thing is like I, we the the ghost runner gives the home team a, a, a an advantage. Again, the the Twins didn't score in the eleventh, and then the White Sox come up needing one run. Like you could throw the run expectancy matrix out of the the book because you just need a run. It's not about trying to get the most in an inning. It's trying to get a singular event. I don't care if there's pressure on Yasmani Grandal. I'd rather have pressure on him than Lenin Sosa. Again, I mean, Vinny brought up the 150 batting average. The guy just came up from Charlotte. One through, or six through nine were all outs today. Yasmani Grandal gets paid $72 million. Like, go hit a fly ball with Elvis Andres on third and win the damn game. Like, the offense didn't show up again. Well, he wasn't on because Lenin didn't come through. Well, right, and that's the thing is, I mean, like Lenin Sosa needs to be able to put a bunt down, like that. That's but he did the first time. He did the first time was a sacrifice bunt. 
He did. I'm, get say, I'm saying, sorry, in the 11th. And then in the 11th, he, he screwed it up. But I guess yeah. the, the point is, the point is too, you can harp on that all you want, Herb. They had so many chances. It's so many chances. And so when you're, when you're, when you're, um, you know, zeroing in on a hunt, a buck 50 hitter deciding to put a bunt down, how about you zero in on, you know, Aloy and, and TA Robert obviously kept getting walked, but you know, and Grandal, all these guys who are hitters who are big league hitters and who are not coming through. I mean, the team was one for 16 with runners in scoring position today. That's, that's why they lost because they had chances to score in the eighth, ninth, 10th and 11th innings. They had chances to win in all of those innings and they didn't come through in any of them, uh, you know, to, to strand a guy at third base with nobody out in, you know, twice is, that's why you lose. Yeah, absolutely. You can, and but you can, you can bunt, you can, you can, uh, you can, uh, tor- uh, you know, have a tirade against the bunt all you want. At the end of the day, it's not why they lost the game. No, and it's again. I mean, like they, they did a good job of walking, or and then, but I mean, I mean, like Vaughn did, and I think Aloy drew a walk, but then Ben tended to get intentionally walked like twice. Like I don't know. Like the, again, we we talked about the preparation. Like they see they saw Pablo Lopez not even a month ago, and they they couldn't hit him. They've gotten struck out 18 times and I think 14 innings against Pablo Lopez this year. That's bad. Um, let's take a quick break and then let's talk about the bullpen and then we'll get Vinny out of here and then we'll talk a little bit more about Lucas Giolito. Um, Want to let you know about FOCO. Uh, these lovely bobbleheads, the Tim Anderson. Hey, buddy, how are you? Uh, the Vinny Duber Southpaw one. Uh, those were set decorations donated by FOCO and go show them some love. You can get fitted in the best sports gear around over at foco.com. They have hoodies, shoes, signs, bobbleheads, and everything in between. And since it is spring and baseball season, they have Aloha shirts, straw hats, polos, bags, everything you need for a game. Check out foco.com. That's F-O-C-O.com. Or click the link in the description below for online pre-sale items. It's the promo code CHGO for 10% off. Also, want to let you know about Shady Rays. Hey, Herb, get the uh, comment read ready. Okay. Um, want to let you know about Shady Rays. Take on the sun with gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered with warm weather ahead with premium polarized shades at an affordable price. Yes. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn. I've never worn an expensive pair, but they're the best damn sunglasses I've ever had. They have durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures, and that's not all. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection program in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses backed by lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, it tells us that they will send you a brand new pair. No questions asked. You can wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after your purchase. They also have your back after 30 days of your purchase, within 30 days of your purchase. If you don't love your Shady Rays, you can exchange them for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Again, exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the season. Uh, again, these are fantastically made, durable sunglasses. Go to ShadyRays.com. Treat yourself, use code CHGO, and get 50% off two plus pairs of polarized shades. You'll probably never have to buy sunglasses again um, if you get two and you treat them right and don't break them. Uh, but again, they have lost and broken replacements, so there's no need to worry. Go try yourself. The shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. Herb, it's time for Reader One. The ComEd Energy Efficiency Program is committed to helping families and businesses in their communities they serve helping manage energy usage and lower energy bills. Now and into the future, Sean. Yeah. ComEd offers a wide variety of incentives on lighting and other efficiency upgrades to commercial, industrial, and public sector customers of all sizes across the territory. ComEd offers free facility (laughs) assessments that can help find energy-saving opportunities like for HVAC systems, commercial kitchen equipment, or industrial processes. How does it work, Sean? An 
authorized engineer will work with you to develop a detailed assessment plan specific to your goals and needs. These can be done in person or virtually and last approximately two hours. And within three to four weeks, customers will receive a report detailing energy efficiency projects that they could start working on. Vinnie Duber doing an Eddie Olchek impression? Immediately. Each recommendation will include <laughs> estimated energy savings, cost savings, project costs, potential incentives, and simple payback. If you own a, if you own a business, do not wait. Uh, get started saving money and energy today for energy saving tips, lighting incentives, or to schedule your free facility assessment. Go to combat.com slash powering biz. Did you say combat.com slash powering biz? Can you spell biz for me? B-I-Z. Schedule it today, folks. Um, all right. Uh, let's get into the bullpen here because, uh, and uh, shout out to Husky Bardo. We'll get to that super chat in just a second once we get to Lucas. But l- let's go to the bullpen because I actually have a weird thing. Um, this is on the offense. They They scored three runs in 12 innings they scored two runs in 11 innings and you know really the 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 third run doesn't matter too much because you lost by four um the bullpen it's in a weird spot but when you look in the 12th inning alexander colomay is on the bump he's probably not going to be on this team uh we have some fun stuff from the bullpen too but uh let's get to the uh bullpen graphic that i have right now it's sammy peralta and alexander colomay two pitchers who pitched in the 12th uh, Jimmy Lambert, Keenan Middleton, Gregory Santos, Reynaldo Lopez, Aaron Bummer, and Kendall Graven. We've talked about Reynaldo Lopez's struggle so far out of the bullpen, but then at some point we know Liam Hendricks and Garrett Crochet will return. Garrett Crochet, Liam Hendricks, I think that means Sammy Peralta and Alexander Colomay probably aren't long for this team. I think Sammy Peralta or Colomay are probably off the team once Joe Kelly returns from the paternity list. However, the issue is on that right side, there are nine players, if my math is right, and there's five starting pitchers, that means 14 pitchers. You're not allowed until September 14th to have 14 pitchers on a roster. Yep. You you have a limit of 13. So out of that group on the right, Crochet, Lambert, Middleton, Santos, Lopez, Bummer, Graveman, Hendricks, Kelly, who's not in this bullpen? Because I feel pretty strong about all those names. Is it Lambert? Is it our guy Groot? Is it our guy Keenan Middleton? Like, who is the person not long for this bullpen? It's probably not Bummer. It's probably not Kelly. It's probably not Hendricks. It's not, not Graveman. Out of all those players on the right, I would say it would be Jimmy Lambert. Not because he hasn't performed. He has performed, to my liking, very well. The number might be high. I think it's a 5 ERA, but I think he has performed pretty well. Um, but if you're looking at all the rest of the names, those are vested veterans for the most part or doing really well this year in Keenan Middleton and Groot Santos. So it's going to be hard to send those two guys down, and I don't know if you can even send them down, even if you have options for those guys. So out of those players, I would say Jimmy Lambert would be the uh, unfortunate guy who's be going down to the minors or have a phantom injury. I think the the answer is that time will tell, right? And I, I think the idea is there's still four or five outings left for Garrett Crochet before they think about bringing him back. There's four or five outings for Liam Hendricks before they think about bringing him back. Um, this is not something that needs to be decided tomorrow. I think you're, you're right. When Joe Kelly comes back from the paternity list, you probably see Sammy Peralta most likely go, but, but Colome obviously hasn't gotten the job done in his two outings. So, um, that could be something too. We'll see. Uh, but uh, yeah, the answer right now is we don't know, you know, who the odd man out in that list is. 
But time can tell, right? There could be an injury tomorrow in Cincinnati. There could be um, a guy whose uh, performance goes really, really south really, really fast. You know what I mean? How uh, as good as Santos and Middleton have been, and they've been great, and they, they are, they, you know, it reminds me of 2020 where Foster and, and uh, Hoyer kind of came out of nowhere to be, you know, to be the guys in that bullpen. Hoyer was obviously a little bit more of a, a known quantity from a prospect standpoint. But, um, you know, so so relief pitching is so volatile from year to year that you do get guys that come out of nowhere and become key pieces. Um, but the White Sox also showed in in what they did with Jake Diekman that they're not afraid to 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 eat money if it, if it means hey, there's a guy that there's there's this is a guy that's not getting the job done. Now, right now, there's so many of those guys whose numbers say that they're not getting the job done that I don't know if you could pick one quite easily right now, but. Over the course of the next two weeks, we might be having a much different conversation. If I had to deduce, and Stephen, if you could bring up that uh, graphic, um, I don't know. I, I think Groot, Groot's proved himself, uh, and I think Keenan have, has have proved himself. I think they're going to stay. Crochet and Hendricks, obviously, you got to see what they're going to do. I mean, you could probably send Crochet down if he's if he doesn't perform well, but that'd be surprising. Uh, Joe Kelly and Graveman. I would be surprised if the White Sox eat more cash. So then throw Aaron Bummer in to that as well, because Aaron Bummer would cost about $8 million to eat. But he goes um, filthy last two start, yeah, last two relief appearances. Nasty today. He's awesome um, today. And and it really leaves either Raylo or Jimmy Lambert. I think it means Jimmy Lambert has an option, and Reynaldo Lopez not in high leverage. I, I really like that bullpen. And, and we'll see. Maybe then Jimmy can possibly get stretched out. I don't know if that's uh, in, in his future, but... Jimmy Lambert was a surprise last year that he came up and was this good in the bullpen. It might not be a surprise that, hey, that was uh, that was a little bit short of a run. I'd rather see right now the Lopez uh, stick around. Um, um, and that really seems like the – and I don't want to see Groot because now we have a great soundbite. And this is a, <laughs> this is a, his walk year, too, is Ronaldo Lopez, so it would be hard to see him get sent down or because he doesn't have the options that left. And he's trying to get some big-time dollars after this year. He's not doing well in the bumps yet, yet to get the money right. So, yeah, I would say Jimmy Lambert's probably easy to out of those players to send down. And he was good yesterday, too. So yeah. it's not like, you know, I mean, these guys have, are all solid arms, and it's a good problem to have. You know, the bullpen that has all those guys with plus five ERAs, now we're like, oh, who's going to get sent down? That's a good problem to have. And the bullpen um, was really solid this series, like top-notch. Yeah, it's just, you know, Alex Colomay, who wasn't in, on the team before this series, you know, put two games in danger. One of them lost today, and then uh, they were able to bail him out uh, on Monday. Uh, but anyways, let's go to Matthew Lucas because this is a quick one. A couple bucks for covering this BS team. Uh, grab a liter of RC or uh, uh, Oscar RC Colas pop uh, for the troubles. Go Sox. Did he lose his Lucas. name when he got demoted? No. Vinny? No. No. Uh, Oscar Royal Crown Colas. Come on. It's too good it of a nickname. <laughs> um, you know it's too good of a nickname? Groot. Uh, do, you uh. want, do you want to set this up, Vin? Because we, we have uh, just just your, your, your little back and forth. Or, or does it speak for itself? I mean, basically, you guys have been asking me for a week now to ask Gregory Santos about his yes. I Am Groot headband, and so I obliged today, and uh, uh, turns out uh, the, 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 the uh, answer that he gave is not terribly interesting, but he did offer up a, uh, a Groot impression that I think was, uh, was uh, very, very amusing to everybody involved. Play the full one, Stephen. Some fans have noticed the, the headband you've been wearing with that says Groot on it. Uh, why have you been wearing that one? Uh-huh. 
Se evita que el sudor baje. Es bastante cómodo. I've been uh, doing it since uh, last year. You know, I just like how it looks. Uh, I like how it fits with my hat. And it also helps uh, with the sweating. Do you, like, do you like the movie? Are you a fan of the movie? Yeah, I'm a fan of the movie. Yeah. I am Groot. Wakanda for siempre. Yes, of course. New one comes out tomorrow. La nueva viene mañana. La la sacan mañana. Great stuff there. Shout out to Billy Russo. But... I am Groot. Like, we got it. We got it, baby. That's I how we am Groot. Ah! <laughs> yes. This is why we have access to the locker room. Damn it. Yes, really makes the uh, really makes the baseball writers of America card uh, worth it, doesn't it? Yes, and, and shout out to Billy Russo uh, for this translation. I'm glad I'm glad we got the the reason why uh, Gregory so. Uh, uh, Santos, I was going to call him Soto. That's the guy who used to pitch for Detroit. Uh, why Gregory wears a uh, headband. And it also helps uh, with the sweating. It also helps with the sweating. So, you know, that's it. it's, it's a good reason to wear a headband. Uh, well, it's, it's funny. It's funny. Every once in a while you will get, you know, uh, one of the Spanish-speaking players who, just, who, who doesn't speak English, and, and Billy will translate the question back to them too. And, you know, in a more conversational tone where the two parties understand each other you get what the other side is asking but i could understand where gregory hears asked to him why are you wearing a headband <laughs> and he gives a very he gives a very regular answer to that question so sometimes you got to follow up a little bit too and you followed up and we got i am groot so great job there uh you're a champ for asking that uh go read Vinny's uh writing at allchgo.com uh his re most recent piece is about the uh biggest win for the white Sox in may and the month isn't even over uh liam hendricks has struck out cancer and some great uh color from the locker room from aaron bummer kendall graveman and lucas giolito on what lucas's battle meant and, and what he proved to his teammates or didn't have to prove because liam's always been that guy Go follow Vinny on Twitter, at Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. Thank you, Vinny. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. You too. Um, yeah, I, I didn't want to bore him with more of my Lucas Giolito fastball stuff. Just me. Yeah, just you. Because <laughs> uh, uh, Husky Bardo uh, up there said, uh, uh, Lucas keeps pitching like this. Uh, that return is good. Um, hey, uh, we'll see if they trade him. Uh, he, it's a contract year, folks. It's always a big year for for all, all baseball players. I don't think they're going to trade him, no matter what. Because... Mm. This Minnesota Twins team is not going to run and hide. Same thing with the Cleveland Guardians. So the White Sox will always be in this space they're in right now. They're eight games right now, but we can see them being five games by next week. If they play well and Minnesota keeps on being Minnesota. We'll see. Um, if, if they're still, I mean, if they're five games out, they're not trading anybody. No, There's not, a, not a person. Ravi, hello. Um, especially not Luke Ace, because right oh now he's, he's the best band pitcher on the team. Uh, let's go to the stuff. Let's go to the stuff from Lucas Giolito. Lucas Giolito threw 55 fucking fastballs today. He threw 35 sliders, and he threw 11 change-ups. His best pitch he used 11 times, folks. Uh, and when he's throwing seven innings, giving up one earned run, and he's relying on his four-seam fastball that is down 1.1 miles per hour, uh, it shows you the work that he's done and how good he has refined his mechanics. Uh, six, six guys shouldn't be locating as well as he is. Um but yeah, the, the fastball that he threw a ton, uh, it is down on the year average. Uh, year average is around 93. Today it was 91.9 in a warm Chicago. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, Lucas really wasn't 
bring in the full force today, uh, but the slider, changeup, and fastball locations were perfect. And I talked about the Joe Ryan comp on Tuesday, um, Mm -hmm. and I want to bring it back just because you kind of saw what I was thinking. Uh, Steve Stone talked about Joe Ryan shortening up his arm swing. Well, we heard about that with Lucas Giolito in 2019 and 2021, right? The short arm swing is huge, and that's a big part of what Ethan Katz, not only the uh, lower half and the core velocity belt, but also with the short arm mechanics. We saw that with Dylan Cease, Jimmy Lambert, Lucas Giolito. Uh, but the fastball comparisons, they're a little bit different because Giolito's has more rise. 12.8 mm-hmm. inches of drop means it's really staying just on a straight line, and it's going to, when you throw it at the top of the zone, look like it's rising. And 5.3 inches of break, um, throw it faster, he'll probably get more break, uh, and there's less ride to players. We saw the ride on the Hanser Alberto fastball. Yep. He thought it was going to be in the zone. It hit him in the damn hand. Um, <laughs> but just with get hit, you jerk. Just get hit. Take one for the team. That's literally like Hans Roberto. That rule was written for Hans Roberto. Um, but perceived velocity, again, because of Lucas's uh, stride, because of Lucas's height, 94 miles per hour. Extension. So, extension, right. Uh, when, we, when we look at 91.9, that's what it's reading on the radar gun. But when you're actually in the batter's box, it's seeming 94. Gets on you quickly. I was asking you, like, are they, the Minnesota Twins, thinking, hey, this ball is only 91. I can go up and get it. And he and Sevy had a plan, like, let me throw a high fastball. But you said, no, it's just, it's just Lucas gets on you quicker. The 91 on the radar gun might be a thing. They might look up. It's like, nope, that's 95. Well, it's location, too. So, like, Joe Ryan, is it's it's mostly location. I mean, we saw Tim be late on fastballs right down the middle against 91. Um, and it's mainly just because he's so good at, or today, he was so good at locating. Um, we'll, we'll go to the, just go back to the Joe Ryan thing real quick. The spin's very similar. Oh, uh, sorry. The first one, the actual stat comp. Um, the average spin, same, you know, about 2180. Um, but again, Ryan has more of a fastball that rides. Um, let's go to the next one, and that's the map today. So you could see when he located, and when you put the heat map on, like when it's the more of the Rorschach one, yeah. re- less than the pitch chart, um, you would just see a red dot up and in. So yep. basically, he controlled the inside of the plate. And a lot of those fastballs were thrown oh oh so he's throwing fastballs in on their hands and I think that's the biggest thing is that they're up and in and he's able to keep 91 92 up and in which is just a hard pitch to hit and then you have to worry about the changeup possibly Filthy. throwing you off and you could see where the changeups are thrown inside. they're not they're not out of way they're inside so I think a, a great tunneling job from Lucas Giolito you're not sure if it's going to be the changeup you're not sure if it's the fastball you're not sure if it's a slider and that slider was located beautifully it was you know, inside or away. Um, and, and it was a great job of locating. This is an actual pitcher. This is a pitching masterpiece. Lucas Giolito painted today, right? It's not the stuff that did it today. It's the actual pitcher. And I think it's the intensity. We talked about Pedro not doing a lot of good things. The one thing that I've seen that he's done is he's gotten Lucas Giolito back to that motherfucker. And I mm-hmm. think that he walked off the mound after Pedro checked in on him in the seventh to say, hey, can you finish it? He said, no, I can finish it. And I think he walked off the mound and Shane tweeted about it. And he said, I'm that motherfucker. Yeah, he so did. That, so, hey, I'm glad that motherfucker's back. Yeah, and I could tell, like, when he saw Pedro coming out there, he was kind of on a sprint. I knew he wasn't going to take him out. But Lucas, 
I felt the look at Lucas was looking at Pedro was like, I'm not coming out of the fucking game. Get your ass out of here. And he, he wasn't even talking to Pedro. He's just talking to Seb. He's like, hey, this is what Pedro going to be executed. He was talking in his glove. And, yes, I saw him say motherfucker, but Shane with a better re- uh, reading of lips right there is a regular John boy, that Shane, um, saying <laughs> I'm that motherfucker. So that's – I love it. We saw that intense look coming off the mound. And you just – and that's what he needs to be. He's the ace of the staff right now. Now, Dylan's run on some tough times. I think he has much better stuff than Lucas. But as you said, Lucas is a pitcher. He adjusts to what stuff that he has, not the stuff that he used to have, and he deals with it. Like the, the miles per hour is down. And last year, the miles per hour is down, and he was getting crushed. Mm. He's like, I don't give a F. I'm going to locate it where I need to locate it, and now you guys are going to swing. Like how many times did they swing – up and away at high fastballs, way above the zone. Like that one that was at the dude's, above the dude's head, he's swinging at. That's how Lucas was so good that, because the players were just baffled by how good he was and how quick that ball was getting on top of them. And he couldn't, they couldn't handle him. I love to see my man Lucas come back and uh, make all these fans who wanted to DFA him last year <laughs> eat their words. And then when he leaves next year in free agency, you're going to be sad. Because you don't have Luke Giolito anymore to kick around. Because Jerry won't pay up because it'll be over $100 million. Oh, definitely. Uh, Let's go to the the results of this stuff, and then we'll wrap it up. We'll go put a boot on it. We'll get out of here. Luke Ace. Seven swings and misses on his fastballs on 26 swings. Six called strikes. That's 13 called strikes and whiffs on his fastball for 24%. Not great, but also 11 fouls. And then when they put it in play, uh, the fastball, 80.2 average exit velocity. So he wasn't getting hit hard when they were trying to square it up. Uh, the slider, uh, 10 whiffs on 20 swings. That's a 50% swing. Voice. Mercy. Uh, that pitch is a game changer because it's usually not that effective, and it's effective today. Uh, 43% called strike whiff percentage. And he didn't use the change up a 10, but when he did, it was effective. 36% called strike whiff percentage uh, for overall 32%, and that's well above major league average. Uh, and you could see right here, Herb, all the swings and misses he got on fastballs up and in the zone uh, and out of the zone too. So he's getting guys to swing out of the zone, which is huge. You know, making them swing into his pitches. Right, not putting in the middle of the zone. You saw with the chart earlier, very few of those pitches were in the middle. Middle, he put them exactly where he wanted to, and you see it on the screen right there. The high fastballs, the the look at the only pitch that's in the middle is that change it. I'm sure it didn't get hit hard. Maybe that's the uh, Correa home run, but all the rest are just fading away with the slider. Fading away inside to the right-handers if the uh, the changeup or just going up with the fastball. That's he an was, o, that's an OO changeup down the middle of the Correa in the sixth inning. Yeah, uh, that, and that's why I got crushed. No, it was a called strike. Oh, I thought I got no, crushed. The, the other one was a fastball. slider, mm-hmm. slider, and he left it up. Um, so Ungood. Slider, one pitch. Slider, kind of you know chest high out. It's it's a, a ball that Miranda. Roped into center, I think on Tuesday, uh, off of Cease or whatever the fuck. I can't even remember this 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 series. Um, anyways, Kopech, Kopech. Uh, that's gonna do it for the CHGO White Sox post game show. We have one more thing. I want to I want to leave you on one more thing. Okay. Vinny announced some some special things, and Vinny didn't announce that the White Sox did, but Vinny tweeted about it, gave us pictures. I need this fucking bobblehead so badly. I know we have our sponsors, Foco, but they don't make them like this. The Andrew Benatendi one? No. Okay. I don't. I don't care about Elf on the, his Elf on the Shelf ass. Of course, his slappy ass would be a fucking Elf. Well, the um, other one could be an Elf too. It could have gave uh, Andrew the uh, Indiana Jones thing. He looks a little bit more Harrison Forty. I mean, That's fair. Yeah, and but and Andrew Benatendi's from Cincinnati, which is closer to Indiana than Northern California. That's true. 
Um, but, but the point is being missed. I need that bobblehead. <laughs> that Andrew Vaughn bobblehead. I, the Indie Andrew Vaughn bobblehead. I need that shit. Okay. That's amazing. Come on. look. It is you. great. And the baseball back there, uh, depicting the, t- uh, the rock that was in Indiana Jones. My guy got his, the fir- my guy got his first bobblehead and they made him Indiana Jones. <laughs> what? Tough. Love lot, it. A lot to live up to. Uh, and then they also got uh, Yacht Rock Night, which uh, they get those sailor hats for the first mm. 10,000. So uh, I need Sailing. I don't know when Rock. You takes know when, me away. Huh? Do you know when Yacht Rock is? No, I don't know the date, but it's always, I won't be there. You'll be there? Oh, man. That's some of my favorite artists. What else say like? Um, Kenny Loggins, who actually wrote that song with Michael McDonald. See, look at my guy Lawrence hearing me sing over there. And I was singing Sailing by Christopher Cross, who is also on that show. Chris Cross? No, not Chris Cross. Christopher oh. Cross, oh. who was saying Sailing. He also sang uh, uh, Ride Like the Wind, who... Uh, Michael McDonald's in that one singing the hook. There's a funny SCTV uh, skit back in the 70s or 80s where they had an actor play Michael McDonald doing that part. And I got such a long way to go, such a long way to go. <laughs> and he just like goes into the booth and then goes back and talks to the engineer. And the engineer's like, no, oh, you got to say it again. It's funny. Go and check it out. SCTV. Yacht That's Rock it. Night, August 8th. Okay. Thank you very much, Stephen, for that. Uh, and Indiana Jones bobblehead, June 25th, Sunday. Yes, and then the halfway to Christmas is the 30th, July 30th, I think. Correct. Yeah. I think that that wouldn't be halfway to Christmas, but whatever. Eh, a little fast. It. Um, that's Herb Lawrence. That is. I know for a fact you're Herb Lawrence. And you can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Tweet at us at CHGO underscore White Sox. Your favorite yacht rock band. I wonder if Jim Messina will be there. Is Jim Messina an artist or a person? Jim Messina had a band with Kenny Loggins, and then he Kenny Loggins left him. Messina, oh Messina and Messina Loggins. and Loggins. Oh yeah, look at that. Yeah, it another yacht another yacht rock thing. I think yacht rock on YouTube. The first episode is where uh, they find the song "What a Fool Believes." It's about Kenny Loggins and Jim Messina. I'll have to check that out. Uh, Please check it out. It's funny as hell. Fa- favorite yacht rock band is just Hall and Oates count. Hall and Oates, it, w- speaking of, they're in that skit, okay. <laughs> in that skit of uh, Yacht Rock uh, episode one. So, no, they're more blue-eyed soul um, R&B, but you can maybe call some of their songs like Sarah Smile a Yacht Rock song. Okay. Steely Dan isn't Yacht Rock. It's in the same boat. Okay. And, and Michael McDonald sang in Peg. That's true. That's true. So Peg is at least Yacht Rock. Yes. That's canon. All right. <laughs> Follow Vinny on Twitter at Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. Thank you to everybody for hanging out with us in the chat. Did we miss any super chats? I feel like we missed one like a week ago. No, we got Some three. guy caught a home run and we didn't bring it up. You, you caught a home run. I'm very happy for you. And uh, bless up. I think it, may, it might have been a foul ball. Um, you know, we got the Buxton one. Got the Husky one. There's three. Got the Matthew one. Bless all of you. You're all wonderful people. And we're excited to talk to you on our next show, which is Sunday. Yes, I'll be in Cincinnati, maybe driving back. So I might join you guys via Cincinnati um, uh, Wi-Fi. I-90. Yeah, and then I'll be joining you guys also in Kansas City. Let's go. For two of those games, for the Monday and Tuesday game. I got a, a Tesla, courtesy of uh, Steven. Oh, not, not of Steven, no. I, I don't Steven's have a friend. Yes. I'm going to use Steven's the autopilot. Friend. Oh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not driving down to Kansas City. I'm just like, go ahead. Elon, go ahead, Elon. Take me where I need to go. Boy. 
Best of luck. And doing the podcast at that time, too. <laughs> hey, po- hey, it's it's changing the game. You could podcast and drive now with, mm-hmm. with the, the future everybody has wanted. Uh, that's going to do it for the CHGO White Sox podcast. We will talk to you on Sunday. Go White Sox.